Hello. Thanks for joining us and welcome to episode three of the EdTech Distilled podcast. My name is Adam Geisen. I'm your host this evening, along with Dave Lurch. Say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. That'll be funny every single time we do it. Will it, though? (laughs) I don't know. My dad will think that's hilarious. And that's what I'm doing it for, is all the dads out there. Exactly. Thanks, dads. A little pre-Father's Day celebration for you. If you work in education and you don't appreciate dad jokes, are you even really doing the right thing? Totally, totally agree with you. 100%. Uh, One of the uh, members of the LAX group, the Google Innovator Group, uh, just recently tweeted out a request for dad jokes. Um, and I really don't know what she was using them for, but super uh, excited to read through that whole thread. That's awesome. I killed, killed about 25 minutes. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, super fun. Fantastic. Uh, so today, our topic, we don't have a guest this time. Actually, the guest today is going to be myself and Dave. And we're going to be telling you just a little bit about uh, our journeys through education to the whatever place that we are now, um, mm-hmm. how we got into ed tech and what it, uh, you know, our, what role it has in our lives. So that's kind of our focus for, um, for the, we'll call it the interview portion of this, uh, the podcast today. But first we're going to jump into some, uh, some updates and Google just recently had their um, IO presentation, the, the sort of the conference, the mm-hmm. um, where they launched a whole bunch of new stuff. So um, tell us about some of the new docs things that are coming out. Yeah, and if you want to check out the presentation, it is it is on YouTube under their Google for Education YouTube channel, and it's about a three and a half hour presentation. And right. I mean, it's it is it's no joke. I mean, it, there is a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so two things that are coming out: Google Docs is getting some love, and I think that uh, we all probably started with Google Docs back in the you know those first times that you had a chance to use some it of was, this educational technology. It was aught nine for me. Oh, when I started right. using it. Right on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, so it, we've all been using it, but they've started to throw some new features into it. So one of the features now is that when you share a document and you have multiple editors on that document, instead of going into the edit and looking at the edit um, history or looking at the revision history, you actually can highlight the text and right click on it and it will show a list of editors on that. And so you can actually check specific text for the uh, the revision history and the editors listed within, which is a pretty cool feature. And I know we don't technically have it yet. I believe it's on a rapid release schedule, but uh, I know it's kind of rolling out in phases, just like everything that they tend to uh, put out there, but uh, a really cool feature that they've added there. Uh, the second thing in docs that they've put out is, and this is actually, uh, I actually read about this uh, pretty recently, but uh, docs is now allowing you to insert images like before, and you can add text. And as you know, you can wrap the text around or you can put it in front or behind it. Now you can physically place text in front of an image or place text behind that image. So it kind of makes it more similar to what Microsoft Word does. And uh, in the Google release, it actually states that their goal is to give some flexibility uh, within Docs and then also kind of make things more compatible with Microsoft Word. Because I think we've all tried to take that Word document, then put it into Docs, and then try to format that thing because it's just a mess. And uh, hopefully this will kind of fix some of that. And I think what it will do is it will uh, take all of our skills that we have, taking Google Slides and turning them into uh, worksheets or dressing them up. And now we're... Now we're going to be able to do that in Docs. So, one of the things it was always uh, it was always letterhead that had an image in the background in a Word document. Right. That, uh, people are always like, "Hey, let's make this a Google document." I never could do it. Right. But then I was totally fine with that because I actually hate those images behind text. Like 
I like a clean page, sure. um, but I definitely understand how in some cases this would be something that's really beneficial. And like you said, I think a lot of it's just the conversion. I mean, I, I really do think, and, and I think the IO presentation is a good example of this is that we're going to, we're about to see like some sort of innovation battle between Microsoft and Google. Oh, 100%. I think, I think they are totally going to go neck and neck here in these next few years, trying to push out as much stuff as they can uh, to kind of take over for like these little, I don't even want to call them little, but these other companies that are providing services for businesses that cost a ton of money. And right. those features are also like available either in your basic Google or, you know, maybe Google the um, the premier versions or whatever they call them, the premium versions of, of the Google uh, right. workspace. But like, I think Microsoft's right, right behind them. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting. I mean, it took 360 like six years to get going, but I have right. a feeling, you know, they're going to be catching up, but I don't know. It, I, I do. Like I said, I think it's going to be an interesting couple of years here. Do you think it'll be by state or will it be by, you know, district? Cause what I see is, I mean, and you know, around us, 90% of school districts are using Google, but what, what's interesting is that I think the further you go towards bigger districts, that might be, you know, something that they choose to use. I, I'm just interested you know, our district, is, it's only 600 kids. So, I mean, we're, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're using Google, we're trained on Google. That's the tool that we're going to use, but I, I'm just curious how that breaks down, you know, because, uh, you know, not to, not to peek behind the curtain too much here, but Adam and I actually were involved in a Google trainer PD session where we sat in with a trainer from uh, the UK. And what was so interesting about that was when he said that the, the UK government purchased Chromebooks for everybody. everybody. I mean, it was a it was a government sanctioned purchase of Chromebook, right. and that's never going to happen for us. You know what no. I mean? Because states kind of run themselves. So I'm just curious. What like, do you think it'll be a state thing, or will it be a? I county? I honestly don't really see it changing in in schools much. I think right now, to have to switch from Google to Microsoft or from Microsoft to Google would be, I think, probably catastrophic. Uh, I mean, I, I can't imagine for the life of me bringing something like that to teachers after the year they've just had. Correct. I, yeah. I mean, even within the last couple of, I mean, the next couple of years, I can't even imagine. So I almost feel like it's more of a business competition than it would be an education competition. Sure. Um, you know, I don't know. There's there. It's just so easy. Google is the Chromebooks. All of it is just far too easy. Yeah. I, I can't see a school district saying, yeah, we'll pay a little more and make it more complicated. Sounds good. Like, and and the people who are already Microsoft users, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying, I think a transition would be just not, I just don't think it'll happen. Well, for, and like, from our perspective at my school, you know, we went one-to-one -one in the pandemic and I'll, I'll talk right. about that when we get to our topic, but, you know, being able to roll out Chromebooks and then know that, Hey, we need to update these things. Just turn that bad boy off. Turn it back right. on. I mean, what right. an awesome, awesome feature! You know, absolutely, it's the greatest. I usually, what's the show? Uh, the It Crew. The, it, crowd. It, it, it crowd. You yeah. me about that. Yeah, yeah. That's the one I need to watch. It's on my list of shows yeah. to watch, and I've not started. Have you tried turning that off and on again? Yeah, uh -huh. right. One hundred percent. Uh huh. I think that's how I should answer the phone too. I mean, I think that's how I should answer the phone just in general. <laughs> in general. So if anyone calls me. <laughs> so, Adam, you want to talk about these uh, Google Meet features? Yeah. So um, I think in the next episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about the new Google Meet layout that's coming. Um, but what has shown up already in these 
uh, in the already existing version are two features that I just think are fantastic. And I didn't really notice them until very recently. The first one is um, the ability for you to test your audio and video before you jump in. Now that seems like obvious, but what it does, it's a little button right below your preview screen. When you uh, go to join a meet before you get into the meet and it says test your audio or video or something like that. And when you click on it, it brings up the ability for you to just record like what it's going to sound like. It'll take about a six second recording or something like that. So it, you hit the start button and then you just talk and look in the video and whatever, and then it'll play it back for you. And you can make sure your audio is working, make sure your video is working before you ever join the meet. And that is such a nice, easy feature uh, that I wish I had had the, you know, weeks ago when I yeah join these meets and people are like, Oh, Adam, we can't hear you. Like that happens unfortunately more often because I have seven USB things plugged into a, you know, whatever I'm working on and right. like two microphones and like right. a set of earphones and it has no, I, I don't blame it at all for not knowing what to record out of, but it would be it nice. sounds coming somewhere. Yeah. It's coming from somewhere right, and it's yeah. usually pretty crappy. So I have yeah. to figure that out ahead of time. But um, anyway, I think that's a great feature. And another feature that I think is also fantastic that I kind of avoided, I guess, because I didn't really understand it. Um, not that I didn't understand it, but I didn't really know what it did other than just offer like a place for you to submit problems to mm -hmm. Google Meet. But mm -hmm. when you're in the Meet itself, if you click on the three dots in the bottom right hand corner and then go to troubleshooting and help. So this is actually much more valuable than I thought it was going to be. Uh, the very top of it talks about network stability. So you, it gives you recommendations to make sure that you are uh, close enough to the Wi-Fi router, mm -hmm. that you're not doing a bunch of other stuff on the internet um, to eat it up. And then it shows you what your delay is going to be, uh, which is fascinating. So like right now, it shows you in real time what your delay is. And my delay right now is between zero and 150 milliseconds, which leaning more towards the zero, which is fantastic. Minus um, two. Yeah. Down, down below, it says system load. So now it says, here's what you need to do. Close browser tabs you're not using. Close the other apps that are running. Make sure that your laptop fans are not blocked, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, forget about that sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and then it shows you your CPU usage. So again, I'm hovering right around 50 to 60% because I closed all my other tabs. I was like hot at 100%. Yeah. Um, and I went through and closed all my tabs. And now it's cleared up. And that would have been so great for me to be able to tell the students who are like, I don't know why it's so glitchy. And then I can say, here, click on this and show me what your CPU usage is. Now you can see all of this stuff, at least the CPU usage you can. I'm not, well, yeah, you can see the connection delay as well yep. Yep. in uh, in the back end. So if you have access to Google Admin and you can get into uh, the Google Meet settings, there's a thing down at the bottom. Um, remind me what it's called. It's the Meet... Uh, shoot the meet something tool i don't know I'll, I'll have to find it when you're talking in a minute okay. uh, but anyway so in that tool you can look up all of this stuff too you can see every meet that's in your domain um and you can look at the quality of every person who was on that meet and that was another really great tool that uh, i was able to use as an admin but this is even better because i can yeah. have kids look it up themselves send me a screenshot and then if they if it says 100 percent, it says 100 you got to close you know stop playing whatever Fortnite. Roblox, yeah, Roblox, exactly. yeah. Minecraft. What are some right. other games that kids don't play anymore? But we can say, quit playing your Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I still play that on the Switch constantly. So I was, I was about to go back to Zelda. Was that too far? Is Zelda no way. It's still awesome. Yeah. Stop you know, playing those Androids. Yeah, that's right. Quit Not playing Androids. Uh, what is it? Uh, Asteroids. Asteroids. Yes. There it is. Uh, so like you can look on this, and since it's in real time, one of the cool things is if you take your mouse cursor 
over the uh, the actual like lines that are showing this, you can see up to the second. So like, you know, 906, 17 seconds after it was 906, it shows what type of delay I have, which is kind of cool. And you can give helpful feedback. So thumbs up or thumbs down if it's right. helpful or not. Well, and again, this is just another example of Google seeing what other companies are doing well and like stealing that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't know if this is a thing that Zoom has or not. Yeah, so. yeah. And I mean, and I can't speak to it because this is what we use. Right. And you know, it's, and it, and it's, it's one of those things I think with meat that, um, it's in the G suite and yeah. it's, if you are coming at this as a total newbie and you're using ed tech as someone who's using it out of necessity rather than using it out of, of want. So like in the pandemic, we had a lot of teachers using it because they had to use it. I mean, what a great thing to be able to say, right. Hey, click the waffle and then click this and click this and you're good to go. And now you can do a real time meeting with your students. Right. Yeah, that's pretty cool stuff. And I, you know, and we we always talk about the goal of this podcast is to be uh, just really talking about education in general mm -hmm. with a focus on technology. Sure. And we try not to go too Google heavy, but um, the vast majority of the people that we deal with on a daily basis and and our students in the districts around us use use Google yeah. uh, because we are not in Chicago. Um, that's one of the big reasons. Uh, but I think that you know we've got. That's kind of the big tool. So if we go Google heavy, we apologize to you listeners who may, may be Apple folks or Microsoft folks. We probably Absolutely had nothing wrong with that. We just don't know as much about it. We probably had like Steve Jobs family was listening and they said, nope, we're turning yeah. this off now. Right. We're done. And they, I apologize for that. Yeah. And I bet they're really disappointed we didn't get to the drinking part of this yet. <laughs> Not yet. No, just fast forward. Fast forward to the last like seven minutes where we talk about what we're drinking. There it is. Yes. So before we get to all of that part, uh, so we thought, again, like I mentioned earlier, this would be a good opportunity for us to just sort of tell our story uh, about where we sort of came from um, and how education fits in our lives. Um, and one thing I did want to mention just about the podcast in general, uh, because I think it sort of was born out of, um, I don't know, a spur of the moment decision as we were planning something else. And thought hey this sounds like a great plan for a podcast um but we really thought it would be a good place for us just to sort of chat it's very very informal we're hoping to have uh, as many guests on as we can uh mm -hmm. in the future and just sit around and talk now obviously we like to also talk about the things that we're drinking but if uh, if you are interested in being on our show we'd be more than happy to have you as a guest um, on our website we're going to have a form that you can fill out if you've got a topic idea or some uh, suggestion something you want to uh, suggest to us or if you want to like i said to join the, the conversation you can do that there and if you are not a drinker that is absolutely fine no we judgment. also we will not judge in fact um, you know, I can do what I tried to do when my wife got pregnant, which was stop drinking. And mm. that lasted, um, probably like a week <laughs> and a half. So I think I could, uh, 10 days I is could, good. I could, I could sustain or sustain. <laughs> I could abstain. I could <laughs> get my words right. Or all um, of those. Or all those. I could do yeah. all of those things yeah, yeah, for one episode. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so Again, we hope that this uh, is a, a good place to have this conversation. We start, you know, sort of thinking about things maybe a little bit differently or, uh, you know, seeing the things we see every day and shifting those and maybe changing things and talking to some really smart people, which we're excited to do. Uh, but let's get started. So, Dave, tell us your story about yeah. how you became who you are today. 
Oh man. Well, that's a fairly small question. So <laughs> I, you know, not much to share. No. Uh, so my story is, uh, is one of, uh, I was, uh, had gone through high school, college and, uh, thought I wanted to be a teacher. I liked working with kids. I had a knack for it. I was the cousin, uh, a lot of times at family get togethers who was in charge of, uh, watching the other younger cousins, you know, because you're good with kids. Now, I don't know if that actually meant that I was good with kids or if that just meant that you're going to babysit online mm-hmm. of these kids yeah. by yourself because you have the yeah. energy to do it you know were you the oldest yes yeah well there you go so that must be it but <laughs> anyway um in high school i actually had a chance i had a great teacher mr Loman, uh who uh waterloo high school uh he helped me out uh one day for a lesson on greek mythology he told me instead of doing a oral presentation we had to put together he said why don't you teach the class and so my i've always run towards uh doing things more improvisationally or kind of off the cuff, you know, just kind of letting my words come to me and talking. And so he thought I could try that and uh, it went really well. I enjoyed it. And so he's like, Hey, you should be a teacher. And uh, <laughs> that, going into college, I was like, man, I don't know what to do. My wife knew from the get go, we went to college together. We've been dating since we were in high school oh. and uh, she knew <laughs> we, we can throw a sound effect in there. <laughs> my wife and I also started dating in high school, but it's a different story. I'll tell you that when we get there. I can't wait to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but no, she, uh, she knew she wanted to be a teacher pretty much from the get go. And uh, she had kind of told me, hey, you should look into that. And I just had some awesome opportunities to explore that. And so uh, that led me to education. Uh, But from there, I I probably taught for probably seven or eight years before I really got into the technology side of things. So it was probably around, oh, I would say, you know, 2012 or so, 2013. And um, I was working with uh, sixth grade, teaching math and science in sixth grade. STEM was a big buzzword at the time. And so I'd kind of backed into technology through that, where I was working with uh, students in STEM and sixth grade science. And uh, from there, I was able to just kind of learn a little bit more about um, the technology side of things. I heard about this thing called Google, kind of tracked that down, started using some of the Google apps in my classroom. And uh, my ed tech journey has really exploded in the last three years. So kind of started teaching in 2007. And I would say until about 2012 or 13, I was just teaching a lot traditionally, you know, using smart boards or um, if we had a computer lab using that computer lab or kind of doing those things. But uh, around that time, I started getting more into the STEM side of things. But it was probably, like I said, three or four years ago, uh, probably, you know, 20, I want to say like 2017 or so, I really made this push to look into what flipping the classroom was like or, uh, you know, doing more educational technology things with my students. And it actually was uh, a session I did with Matt Weld, um, who is the Area 5 tech director. He did a Google Level 1 training just to kind of get everybody up to speed with beginner stuff in Google. And he and I had sat down and he showed me some stuff in this training. And I was like, hey, I got a knack for this. And, uh, you know, he wanted to know if I had a background in computers or was this, and I didn't, all I could say is that I played a lot of PC games in the nineties. <laughs> and so you, you learn a lot from playing PC games. You learn a lot when you've got to upload Diablo or well, Warcraft absolutely. to yep. a PC, uh, by yourself. But, uh, so I, I just think from that, uh, I, I realized I had a knack for it, but I didn't really pursue it as hard until about a year after that. And I had another session with Matt where he, uh, taught a level one certification training. And, um, I took that, I got level one certified. And then I figured if you do one, why not do two? So I did level two. And then I thought, Hey, if I do two, why don't I go after trainer? And, uh, then 
things kind of exploded from there because uh, in, in our area, and there's probably a dozen trainers or so in a hundred mile ra- radius, but I would say active trainers, there's not a ton. Excuse me. And um, so I kind of worked with with the area ROEs and some people that kind of reached out to me about doing training. And uh, that's turned into a busy schedule of working as a Google trainer and, and, and implementing that in the classroom. And uh, with COVID then hitting, which brings us up to now, I think the need became pretty significant. And uh, I had to uh, kind of adapt my job position to where I was more of a coach and a, a technology director in our district rather than being a teacher. And, um, and yeah, I think that kind of brings me here to where we're, we're now uh, uh, kind of in the position I'm in now where I, I've got a lot of, lot of ed tech things that I'm into and uh, done research with. And it kind of all started with that one training and just piquing my interest, you know, several years ago and just kind of building from there. And one of the things I like about, uh, you know, educational technology in particular is sometimes I think that as teachers, we can be very insular where we're teaching in the classroom and we're, um, you know, we've developed this thing that works just for us. And it can be hard, I think, sometimes to open your door and share that stuff out because, you know, teaching is so much an art, even though people want it to be a science. Um, it's just not, you know, teaching is an art. And the way that I teach is not going to be the way that somebody else does it. And I, I always had a hard time kind of connecting with other teachers that way uh, and just sharing resources and sharing ideas and, and kind of putting things out there. And uh, I feel like ed tech's the opposite. I feel like yeah. if if you're if you're using it in class and you've got a cool idea, you know you can you can throw it on Twitter. I mean, there's so many hashtags you can search for on Twitter where you can find cool stuff. And I really like that camaraderie side of things, you know. And so uh, so yeah, that's kind of that's kind of in a roundabout way, kind of how I uh, got where I am today, which is uh, super busy and very <laughs> tired, very stressed <laughs> out, and uh, <laughs> drinking at nine twenty at night. So right. So you you mentioned already you're you're married and you've got a child, correct? Dude, we have, we can't forget about that part of our lives. Sometimes I have a daughter, yeah, she right. she's eight, she's amazing. Yeah. She's a theater and a a chorus kid. Yeah, that's and that's the important stuff. That you know, I mean this the this part of it is all fun and and I I do wish that at one point somebody in my life had the, the question has always been. I was thinking about this the other day for whatever reason. The question's always been, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Yep. And I think that that, I think that that's not the way we should say it. I think we should say, "What do you want to do when you grow up?" Yeah, because like I always associated that with, well, I have to be something. I sure. have to be. If I am a teacher, then that's what my that's who that's how I'm associated with other people, or that's how people see me. Oh, that's Adam the teacher, or you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I for some reason I always felt like I had to be something and in recent years i've been able to sort of get away from that which is good Mm -hmm. um so okay so my story is very similar to yours Mm -hmm. and um because i'm i'm 42 and how old are you dave Uh, i'm 17 yeah 17 years now i'm 36 (laughs) okay so that's what i thought so but if you're listening to this in the future i'm not 36 anymore you're right right yeah so at the point at the point we are right now right 42 and you're 36 so we so about the same time, I would say. Um, but I had a very similar story in high school. I had a great high school uh, junior English teacher, Mr. Davis, who taught us, and, I, and I'll never forget it because I, it was the only thing that I really 
thought was really cool about the English uh, classes was he taught us Pink Floyd's The Wall. And for some oh, reason, wow. that always stuck with me. So he taught it as if it was poetry. So we listened to it, yep. we'd analyze the lyrics, we'd talk about it. Um, he didn't show us the movie because that was just a little bit too. <laughs> Would have gone too far. As a little as a step too far, but the music was great. Do and you so, like, like the wall? Like has oh, it ran the wall for you? Oh, sure. absolutely not. That's like the reason I listen to it now. Right on. Cool. So, so we did that, um, and from that point, I thought, you know, maybe being a teacher is not so bad. And that, for whatever reason from my junior year in high school, I just was going to be a high school English teacher. Just, yeah. that was just how it was. There was never cool. any other option. That's what I was going to be. So, um, I went to St. Louis university, uh, and got in a whole bunch of debt to become an English teacher, um, yes. which, you know, was still great. And I student taught at, uh, the school district. And so I actually, I grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm not even really from this area. Um, and I went to a, uh, I went to SLU and I student taught at a school in, in Troy, Illinois, um, because my schedule was all messed up and I had to do student teaching, a, I guess a semester earlier than I had intended and they didn't have anybody left. And so that's where I student taught. Cool. Um, and it, Turned out to be great. It was kind of a farm town. Troy is a very, very small town, like about 20 minutes outside of St. Louis. Mm -hmm. And so um, that was a little different because I was coming from like living in Midtown to driving out here and teaching uh, in in what I thought was the booties, but it's really not that far. Mm. And uh, so anyway, taught there for a year and it was in English. I, I was not a technology guy. In college, I took a C++ programming class mm -hmm. because I had heard that it would get me out of my like fourth year of foreign language. Um, but it was like the most difficult class that I ever took in yeah, my whole C++, life. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was just some totally bizarre thing to me at the time. And looking back, I wish I had appreciated it, but uh, I've kind of missed out on that. So anyway, at one point I even like went to the teacher and was like, please give me a C because <laughs> I'm just an education major. Like yeah. I pulled back on, it was terrible. But anyway, um, so taught there, taught for a year in uh, an alternative school in St. Louis. And then an English position opened up back at Triad at my old school district. Cool. And so I went back there because that was, you know, like what I was comfortable. I was teaching English at this other school. I was not only breaking up fights, but also like teaching uh, music, which I thought was cool, but also science, which I had no experience with and music, mm -hmm. which I or math, uh, which I had no experience with. And so sure. didn't really fit for me. Um, but while teaching at Triad, I met my wife. So she was a full time sub. I was teaching. Um, she walked into my room one day and was like, you're in a band. And I'm like, I knew yes. it. I had her from that moment. Um, somehow she'd found out I was in a band. And, uh, so that was just it. I just, so she asked you when you, she was subbing. Yeah. So she's a substitute at the she time. She comes in, she comes yeah. in and that's and, their first thing she says to you is you're in a band. Just, uh, it was like conversation three or four. So it wasn't very far in nice. the conversation. Yeah. Because so I, I actually met my wife in the same way as I Did was you? playing in my, in my high school band. Did yeah. you? Yeah. So so in anyone listening to this, Adam and I are basically the same human being. We are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of frightening. But it is a little bit. So when I met my when I met Steph, uh, I was playing it. And she's, she's going to listen to this and be like, you need to tell the whole story. I can't. This is PG. But uh, I was in a band um, and we played at a, a friend of mine. He threw a festival at his house because his parents were out of town, of course. Nice. So, you know. So it was a festival. It, it, well, <laughs> as in he just threw the name festival at the end of it. So it was just his last name. And then he put gotcha. the word festival. Awesome. Uh, so we played on his parents' porch. 
but it was February in, in Illinois. And so it was, you know, 29 degrees. Well, I played football, wrestled, track, basketball, the whole thing. So I'm way too tough. I don't need to work out. I'm not playing in gloves. I'm wearing a t-shirt and jeans out there because I'm a rocker. Yeah, of course. And uh, I get like 20 minutes into this gig and I'm like, I can't feel my fingers. Like I am freezing. I'm dying. And uh, and my wife came to watch. She just happened to have a, a friend of hers was there. She was in the crowd watching. And I kind of just talked to her afterwards and uh, asked her to prom. She said no. Uh, but, uh, she was dating a guy at the time. So mm. listeners, that's not a good tactic. No, mm. not a good idea. But yeah, no, the next year we were dating and we were, uh, 17 and we've been together ever since. So oh, that's awesome. So, well, okay. So, story. so you meet, meet your wife in high school. She asked yeah. if you're playing a band. Right. And so and then, you, I, then I had her from that point. Yeah, um, hooked her. Right. So that I just knew it. So, um, we ended up like meeting, getting engaged in like 10 months, getting married. 10 months from then and then having having kids like just about a year from then so or be, being pregnant just about a year from then so everything went really quickly um she's been driving a minivan since she was like 23 or something like that there you so go. but we just recently got rid i have the minivan now she has a very different car but uh regardless so that was kind of how um how that part went but while teaching a triad i was uh, obviously just English. I was a high school English teacher. And like you were talking about the whole aspect of like sharing information is like yep. totally foreign to high school teachers, uh, especially at that time. It, there's just something about like, this is my class and this is how I teach it. This is my content. You know, like there's just wasn't a, mu- a lot of sharing. And so as things kind of progressed, I sort of became like the go-to tech guy simply because I used technology in the classroom in 09. Uh, like I was saying, I started, I had all my seniors um, create Google accounts so that we could use Google Docs and they could share the docs with me and they could write essays and I could see them. Like all the reasons why we use Google Docs now, uh, it was all pre-classroom and all that stuff. So it was really just using Docs itself. Um, and that just sort of kind of grew and teachers asked me for help and I became sort of the in-house guy. And then I don't remember what year it was, 13 or 14, something like that. Um, we totally, we were a Microsoft school and we totally were going to abandon Microsoft, all of it, Outlook and everything. In fact, Office was going to be removed from our computers over the summer and we were switching totally to Google, Gmail, uh, you know, G Suite stuff, which I was super excited about. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the district wasn't, wasn't planning to tell anybody about it. It was just sort of like they were hoping that everybody would just get on board when the school year started, which I thought was maybe not the best strategy. So yeah. So I started having my own Google training sessions after school um, for like that whole year prior to the switch and kind of telling everybody here's what's coming and blah, blah, blah. So that turned into from taking that on, then they um, gave me like an hour off to be uh, one of two webmasters in the district. So they wanted to redesign the website. So I did that. Then that turned into halftime teaching English, halftime tech coaching. And then that turned into full-time tech coaching for two years. Um, and then that was, uh, that was good. It was fun. Um, we know we got to meet people in other buildings in our district, which was first. something I, yeah, I work with these people for what, almost like two decades and some of them I'd never met. So it was really cool to be able to do Crazy, that, yeah. spend time in a kinder- kindergarten classroom, which I had no experience with ever. Yeah. Um, you know, how does technology fit? in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, what can they do? What can't they do? That was a very, it was a shock 
uh, and a learning experience for me for sure. Um, but it was really fun. Then near the end of uh, the year, well, the COVID year, um, things kind of changed. The job changed. It wasn't quite what I was wanting to be doing. Um, and so it worked out that uh, there was another job opening as a tech director in a, one of the schools that I was consulting with. Um, and they hired me. And so now I am like the one and only tech person in a two building district um, in Fairview Heights, Illinois. So it's kind of a switch. Triad yeah. was six buildings, still not huge. It wasn't a big district, but it was big enough. Um, this one is pretty small like yours. We've got about 750 yep. kids or something like right. that. K-8 only, so I don't have high school anymore. Um, but, you know, pretty much have to run the whole show technologically, which scares me to death because I don't have a computer science background. But at the same time, right. it's also very exciting because I'd learn something new every single day. So yeah. uh, it is. It's a fun job. The teachers there are great. The admin's great. Um, I really do like it. Um, and so that's what that's what led me here where I am now. Now, unfortunately, I don't have summers off anymore. Right. So I can't do the consulting that I was able to do before and some of the other stuff. But I'm hoping to bring some of the projects that we had. And I'm sure we'll talk about some of this stuff in, in later on episodes. Sure. Um, but I think it's interesting that both you and I, like neither of us have like strong ed, well, strong technological backgrounds. Um, yeah. yet find ourselves here. And I think that's kind of the story with a lot of people in ed tech in education. Well, I think, I think that I, so I think educational technology has the education part to it. And I think it's not, you know, I think it's, it's unfair sometimes to ask people who come into it from the it side, right. To have to, you know, teach somebody how to use this. Cause it's a whole different ball game. Totally. And, and I think that, uh, I, I think you, you, you know, you have to have that experience. And, and I think some people are, you know, really great teachers. And when it comes to kind of helping adults with that, it can be a challenge because that's kind of their focus. But um, I know, I know for me, and I'm lucky enough to work in a district where I, I literally get a chance to work with pre-K all the way to honors, math, college credit courses in 12th grade. And so, you know, my district has put me in a position where I get to speak, you know, truth to what they're doing. You know, I mm -hmm. can tell you how pre-K is using Seesaw right, right. right now, whereas I can tell you how, honors Spanish is using yeah, the green screen right now, which it will be a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but it's, it's been a unique setup, but you know, I think, I think more and more districts are looking at how we can make these hybrid positions because, um, you know, every district is different. I, and, and I wish that wasn't the fact, but it's just, it's, you know, until, until we start realizing, Hey, teaching is, a, is an art and how you go about doing that is going to be unique. You know, schools are going to have to find those people and plug those people in to fit those needs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely changing. I, I don't think, uh, I mean the ed tech ed coach, I'm sorry, the ed tech coach position that I had at triad was totally brand new. People weren't a hundred percent on board, you know, in the district with having these positions. Cause people are like, well, if they don't have a classroom, they don't have students, then they aren't really teachers. So like that was one of those things we had to kind of get over. Um, but I think it was definitely beneficial and people started seeing us going into the classrooms sure. and helping people and they, you know, they saw the benefit to it. Um, and I think that that's definitely the case now. Part of the reason why they hired me at my current job is because I have that background and it's not fully IT. Right. Um, because I'm, I've considered myself pretty comfortable walking sure. into a teacher's classroom and offering help. I'm not an instructional coach, which I think for people who are in the ed world and you 
know the difference between a tech coach and an instructional coach. They're two um, different I things. Think, oh my gosh. And I think an instructional coach, that would be so difficult. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, I see, cause people who have been teaching for years, you know, like you just said, everybody's classroom is different. Right. I can walk in as a tech coach and say, here's how this technology would help you, or here's how to fix, you know, X, Y, Z. Here's a fun idea of something that's new. It's so, so different for an instructional t- coach to walk in and say, here's how I think you should teach this. Right. Like, you know, I, I just think that's so hard. So I kind of got it easy uh, by being a, a tech coach. Um, but it definitely was something new and different. And I loved it. And this past year, obviously, with COVID being what it was and what it's done to school districts, my job as a as an IT person was much more valuable than it was as a, a tech coach. Sure. So I found myself really mostly fixing problems. Uh, but every now and again, there was the one teacher who's like, hey, I want to do something cool, X, Y, Z. And then we put something fun together. That was what was really fun. Sure. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this coming school year being more like that and a Absolutely. little less like IT. But and, you know, and what, you're the only guy that's it's tough sometimes. And what we're doing is um, we're lucky enough to have a bona fide IT person. Yeah. So so does all the technology side of things. So they allow me to do. And, and I always say my job is kind of a go between between being kind of an uh, administrative and a classroom teacher job because, right. you know, like this past week, for example, I pushed into second grade twice because we were we're helping get the second grade comfortable with Google tools because we don't use we use Seesaw up till second mm-hmm. grade. Right. And so then we want second grade to transition to third grade. And so we have some really cool littles activities like with mm-hmm. sheets and with slides and with docs and with Jamboard, right. just so the kids know what those are like. And um, so I feel like that's a third of what I'm doing, but I'm also doing the tech coaching thing where I'm working mm-hmm. one-on-one and uh, I'm lucky enough that they let me co-teach some stuff too. So, so yeah. where I can push in and if a teacher wants to use this piece of technology with their students, that person and I can do that together. And, right. and, and I think, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, Hey, that sounds like something cool and your district doesn't have that talk to your administration. Yeah. I, I know not every administrator is going to say that seems like a good idea. I will sign off on this, remove right. you from the classroom right. and hire another person. But I think you'll find that more and more districts are pivoting towards positions like that because they realize there's a need for that. Right. Oh, if there was ever and, a year that showed us that there's a need for tech coaches, right. this was the year. For sure. And, and, and I think just having that conversation and, and I feel like, I don't know, to me, I feel like the best thing that you could do if you were going into, if you really wanted to do that position, I feel like is to look at the Google certifications. I'm just, I was just about to say that. Yeah. Look at that. We are the same person. Same human being. That's amazing. In fact, I took my level one research test today. Yeah. Um, just I'd, so that I could figure out, I don't know how I did. It took like, it takes like a week, but it took me about 30 minutes to do it. How do you, um, how do you think you did? Did you feel oh, okay? <laughs> Nailed it. If you fail, uh, that'd be hilarious. Oh, no, I, that would be really funny. So you're going to have there's, to tune in next there's time no way. to see if I failed the test. I, uh, no, I don't know. I feel like I nailed it because it's easy. I mean, it's Google stuff, especially this year. Like, yeah. you know, I'm doing this in prep because we, I helped the teachers in this district when I was working in my other district get Google certified exactly three years ago. Right. Um, and so now their certifications are all up. Uh, for renew and so finally google has decided to switch um from this proctor u that they were testing for their google certification tests back to um, it was a which disaster was a, yeah. absolutely disaster switch back to the original which is much much better flow is better than it ever was yeah um it flows nicely the test worked great for me today i had no problems um so i'm excited to bring that to the folks so um 
so yeah, I uh, I did my level one certification uh, a really long time, like oh six, I think was the first time I took it, or sixteen. I mean, was the first time I took it, and then I did. I became a trainer in twenty seventeen, and then in twenty eighteen, I was lucky enough to go to um, to Los Angeles for the LAX eighteen Google Innovator Academy, um, and that was a really really fun project that uh, is still continuing today and i don't if you if you see google ei as a hashtag on twitter or you see anybody who's got you know the i don't know what even what the other ones are they just did one the via 20 was the virtual one right yeah um so anyway but it was so awesome to be able to go out there i went out with a couple other people from st louis uh that you know just were people i'd um associated with at the time and now um you know, we've got this bond. It's really an amazing thing. So if it's an opportunity and they start doing live ones again, I would love, you know, everybody to do a live one uh, instead of the virtual. I bet the virtual was great. It was like lasted a month. Yeah, um, I think so. But, I think but that our, was a big difference. Yeah. But the live one was like three days, but you went to a Google office um, and spent time with actual Google people and, and other people who were helping you do a project. My project is all about gamification. Um, so hopefully we'll be talking about gamification more throughout this podcast because that's one of those things that I unfortunately discovered like immediately after leaving the classroom. Yeah, isn't that so, it? It always. And so yep. of course now like all I want to do is gamify a classroom yep. uh, because I think it would be amazing. And my project is an app that helps manage that. And hopefully, like I said, things will grow with that and we'll maybe talk about it a little bit more, but um it is so a super I, cool app. It's a pretty. It's it works pretty well. I mean, we use it, so yeah, it's no freckle, but it's pretty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> my my <laughs> wife works at Freckles, so right. that's why. Yeah, we gotta gotta throw that out. So we uh, so anyway, but like that's uh, you know that's a big part of where my brain goes every time a teacher says you know ooh I wish I could you know manage my classroom better how can I do rewards I'm like ooh I've got a fun gamification idea for you so. Uh, you know, that's kind of where my head goes now. And I'm hopefully going to put together a, some kind of gamified professional development this summer to roll out with my teachers next year. Um, you know, and that's something that shoot, we may even do a podcast on that. I know that yep. that's part of something you were hoping to do too, Dave. So, you know, that might be something we can hash out over here and you guys all get to listen to our terrible ideas, but or maybe fun. they're great ideas. Maybe they're great ideas. Maybe well, they are great ideas. I'm downplaying it so that when they become awesome, they'll say, Oh, or maybe they're terrible ideas. We'll edit it out. <laughs> yeah. we'll, <delete> that. <laughs> well, either way, it'll be fun. Yeah, cool. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I I'm excited to do this podcast. I'm excited that we have the opportunity to kind of share um, what's going on in our lives and, and how ed tech works and hopefully somebody will get something out of this. Yeah. Um, so let's talk really quickly. What are you learning? What are you working on right now? Yeah. Uh, so right now uh, we, we had a little off air discussion about uh, music. And so I am, I'm 36. So I have a 40th birthday in a couple of years here. My goal when I turn 40 is I want to buy a really nice Fender Stratocaster. That is the guitar I want to get. I want to get a Marshall amp. It's it's been my dream since I was a little kid. Um, I used to have pictures of like uh, uh, like Eric Johnson playing it mm-hmm. and Joe Cetriani playing mm-hmm. and Kirk Hammett from Metallica playing. And so th- so that's always something I wanted to get. And I really want to get back into playing more, uh, you know, it, it, versus being in my basement and just kind of messing around with the guitar. And uh, so I've been picking up and learning more songs. And so we were talking about John Mayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just how great of a guitarist he is. And so recently I've been playing some of that on my guitar, trying to learn that because um, 
I think people sleep on him a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. That guy is an excellent musician. No and doubt. those songs are hard. Yeah. I mean, there's some challenging stuff there. He uses so, some weird chord progressions. He does. So sure. that, that, that's been, that's been what I've been working on lately. And, and I'll be totally honest. We have a swimming pool that we're hoping to get open soon. And so I, uh, it's above ground. We have a ton mm-hmm. of water on it and I am uh, obsessed with cleaning it off in the nice. easiest fashion. So, yeah, <laughs> that's funny that you say pool. We, we don't have like an in-ground pool or anything like that for the last like four years. Sure. We've put up, uh, you know, one of those like metal frame. We have a weird yard. Like our yard is kind of a weird angled yard and our house is set way back in the back. So sure. like our backyard ends, I would say 15 feet from the end of our patio. Okay. So we don't really have a lot of room. So we had, we can't do like an in-ground plus, you know, we're, my wife and I are both teachers. So we don't have an in-ground pool, but I mean, we, uh, hole, well, yeah, <laughs> well, that's where I'm headed next. Yes. So we did get some of these metal frame, like a 16 foot metal frame pools. Wow. And I don't know our yard slants too. So I had to dig out, I actually had some students dig it out, but then I had to sort of flatten it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I got this whole, this like chunk of my yard that's like missing so that this pool will fit in it. Well, I don't know if you've shopped, you probably haven't shopped for metal frame pools right now. But we got ours like two years ago at a you know Academy Sports for like two hundred and fifty bucks maybe. Is it like Amazon? 10, Amazon's carrying them. Yeah, like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, on Amazon for like the same pool. Yeah. So we were able to luckily find one that's a little bit bigger um, at a Walmart at the Lake of the Ozarks. We just nice. like, happened to stumble upon it and like grabbed it. So I'm trying to set that up. But if you've ever tried to level a pool right. or ground for a pool, it's really really difficult. Yes. So I have I have this this system now that I've come up with where I figure out where all the pulses are going to go and then I dig um holes and I put like landscaping bricks in there so yeah. that the poles sit on the landscaping bricks and if you can keep the landscaping bricks flat then everything else gets flattened too. And so it's worked for the last couple of years but now this year that we have a bigger pool I had to chunk a whole new big part of my yard out. So I'm just really hoping that this thing gets done soon yes and my kids are just not working fast enough yeah <laughs> <laughs> no that was basically and, and pools are not fun to to, to no i mean no. we like having it and everything yeah but... it's great when it's like during the the yeah. two days where it's clear before yeah. it gets all foggy yeah right. my wife and right. i have both said that uh uh we if our pool ever springs a leak i'm gonna bulldoze that whole thing uh-huh. and we're just gonna put in a new garden yeah. so oh, there you so, go. so our first year in our house right there's an above ground pool that we that came with the house. We have a really big backyard. We're we're big dog people. We have three dogs, mm-hmm. and, and uh, our eight year old she loves to play outside with the dogs. And so you know we have a big backyard. Uh, so our first year in our house, we had never closed or opened a pool before, right? I mean, it's not something that you know you can Google it and read about it. And um, if you close or open a pool, you'll see just totally different things about how much chlorine you should put in mm-hmm. or how much. Oh, absolutely. You know what do you put in for algaecide and all this stuff? So we have looked it up. My wife and I were like, okay, I think we got it. We close our pool, put the cover on. We're good for the winter, spring, perfect. Ready to open it up. Take our cover off. So we get all the water off, which was a huge pain. We take the cover off of our above ground pool and the water has its own ecosystem. Oh, I bet. And when you have frogs and stuff. We did. Yeah. I mean, terrible. And so, so I'm in there. Right in swimming trunks. Oh just, god! Just pouring chlorine, just pouring chlorine in because we're like, we gotta try to get this stuff out. So, uh-huh. so we learned to triple what we thought we would put in yeah. originally. Right. Yeah. No, we learned. So we're learning lessons. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was a unique uh, that was a unique summer. I can only imagine. Yeah, but yeah, that's the the upside and the downside. And so I usually take ours down every year <laughs> and like put it in the basement and then bring it back out. We put it back but, up. Yeah, but last year it was so cracked and stuff in the corners that I took. I thought this was just sort of trying it out because you always see the commercials for Flex Seal and you're like, how do they yeah. Flex Seal on you know whatever a, a hole in a boat and then yeah. it floats? Yeah, yeah. So I flex sealed the entire like outer edge and a lot of the spots in the middle of the pool. And that thing lasted the entire summer, never leaked. That's it was awesome. amazing. Yeah, that's it awesome. was really, really cool. So you're like Phil Swift. Flex seal. Oh, totally. That's a guy Phil Swift's his name. Yeah. yeah. Why do I know that? I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know how you know yeah. that, but I'm you're, impressed. You're welcome. I'm impressed that you do. <laughs> I just have this, I have this running knowledge of just right. spokespeople for uh, infomercials. So <laughs> you know, it's just a thing yeah. I'm into. Don't judge. No, that, I'm not judging at all. That's going to come in really, really handy for like that one trivia night. Maybe we should make a podcast about that. So. Oh, I think no one just, would listen to it, but it'd be Bi- great. Billy Mays and Phil Swift. So. Oh my gosh! There you go. Oh, Billy Mays, what That's a guy! A good one. So, well, what are you? What are you drinking? I was going to. I was just about to say. So, I yeah. I am drinking tonight some Knob Creek, just nice. some nine nine year Knob Creek. Uh, it was a gift from a teacher that I uh, I built her a website this year, and she she taught uh, at my school. And she does stuff for Disney folks, for people who go to travel for, uh, to go to Disney. And they she puts together like their outfits and things like that. Uh, it's a pretty cool little business. So is she, she a travel agent or what? Not what not she? a travel agent. She's like more. Uh, um, she does like accessories and like clothes and stuff because people, oh, you cool. know, when you go Disney, like you wear yeah. the Star Wars shirts and you oh, wear yeah. the Disney clothes, you yeah. know. And so she puts all that stuff together for people. Yeah. Um, and plans out their wardrobe for the week that they're going to be there, which oh, is something cool. totally, I'm not huge on Disney. I know you are. Um, so that was something new for me. I'd never heard that before, but yeah, no. so, so cool. she left, she left the teaching profession to go do this job, which yeah. great for her. Yeah. You know, and again, I think that's going to be a trend this year with a lot of teachers. It sure um, seems like it. Yeah. But I guess the, I guess her website worked out pretty well. Cause nice. She quit. So, but she gave me a gift. And so I'm drinking that and I have this glass and I don't know if you, you probably can't see it in the camera very well, but it's is that Ron shot, Swanson? It's Ron Swanson. Yes. And it says clear alcohol is for rich women on diets. <laughs> and that I think Ron Swanson and Parks and Rec is one of the greatest shows on television ever. And uh, so yeah. does she. So she brought that to me. That's so fantastic. Great. Yep. Pretty funny. Uh, what are you well, drinking? I'm drinking Evan Williams single barrel. So it's from 2012. Very good. Very smooth. This cup is from Hallmark, but I accidentally... Uh. I accidentally put it in the dishwasher and so it's not dishwasher safe. And so what was on the side of it, it said happy holidays and it came off in the dishwasher. So oh. now it's just a plain wine glass. That plain I put gla- this in. Perfect. Does Still the does thing. the same job. Correct. Absolutely. It holds my drink. Absolutely. Well, great, Dave. I appreciate uh, taking the time. Hey buddy. Thanks for telling me your story. Yeah. Thanks for sharing yours. I know. Like I said, the more we talk, the more, we figure out that we are essentially twins separated at birth. It's kind of frightening. It is a little bit. I, and the more times we have these conversations, the more things come up. We're like, oh, wait a minute. You did what? And that's the same thing that I did. What's your wife say so, about this? Uh, yeah, we've told her she's she hasn't listened to it yet. So, well, once she does, I wonder yeah. what she'll think. She'll probably make it through the first 10 minutes and be like, Boop, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> if, <laughs> but, if you tell your parents, they might say. 
the mm-hmm. time has come. Right. And yeah. they might be like, does he have the medallion, the other half? <laughs> <That's weird. laughs> Is that like Annie? Didn't Annie have one, like a half sure. a half a thing, and the other parent, and then like the fake mom came in with the other half? That that may I don't know. That might be. Do you remember I that? I don't know. I didn't watch Annie, but for some reason that's I'm just thinking of Daddy Warbucks and Annie. That's what I was th- okay. So yeah. that's what I was thinking of. Yeah, right on. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, we- we covered a lot. We covered a lot. Tonight. Yeah. All right. Well, everyone listening, if you're still on, yep, <laughs> you haven't shut us off by that yep. point. Thanks for sticking around. I appreciate it. Next week uh, or two weeks from now, or actually, this is all being released at the same time, so it really doesn't matter. In our next episode, we get to talk to Matt Weld, who you mentioned earlier. Fantastic. Um, and he does a great job talking about uh, the New Directions Conference and where he thinks EdTech is going and where professional development is going post-COVID. Um, so that's a great conversation. So listen to our next episode yep. and you can check us out at edtechdistilled.com. You can check us out on, uh, by this point, we should hopefully be on all of the Apple podcasts. You should see mm-hmm. us on uh, Google podcasts. You should see us on hopefully Stitcher, Spotify, all of those things will be running. If they're not quite yet, uh, they will be soon. And uh, like I said earlier, go to our website and you can join us. Give us a suggestion. Yeah. Um, you don't know, visit us. Maybe Hopefully I'll get some comments working and you can uh, tell us how much you liked or disliked our uh, podcast and we'll yeah. get from there. And if you're on one of those podcast sites, like yep. on iTunes or something mm-hmm. like that, why don't you leave us a review? Leave us a review. That's right. Uh, and we can always reach out to us on Twitter. Same story. EdTech yep. Distilled is our handle uh, or tweet us at, with the hashtag EdTech Distilled and we'll find that as well. So thanks again for listening. We will catch you guys next time. Yep. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.